There was um, some expert criminal stoppage um, this past week. So were the experts the criminals or the people stopping the crimes, were they the experts? Neither. Oh. None so of what, the none you, of the above. So why did you it was so that was sarcasm? Uh just listen to the story. Gotcha. Alright, so these these two teenagers, age fifteen and seventeen. I follow. They decided apparently they wanted to steal a car. Okay. Okay. And so they um attempt number one. Sure. Didn't go so well. They uh, tried to pull a woman from her car and uh, I guess she fought back and like started honking and so they, they ran away. Okay. So good on her. She stopped it. So so yes in part. It was the person being attacked that stopped so, the car. So the old lady was expert yeah. in her stoppage of said attempted right. car thievery. Um okay robbery but, in this case. But these teens and say what you will about Generation Z or whatever we're calling the current crop of teenagers, they were undaunted in their pursuit of a car. So they went on to carjacking number two. Sure. Uh, they approached a woman outside of a grocery store, um, took her keys, and um, got into her vehicle. And um, it was stick shift, Dave. And? And they couldn't operate it. They didn't know what to do. <laughs> they sat there not knowing how to move this car because it was a manual transmission. Um, and so, so again, they run away from the car, uh, this time only to be caught shortly thereafter by the police. Uh, so I think if this crime occurs, what do you think? Five years ago, they get away with it? What do you mean get away not with it? Not get away with it, but like they actually, actually, they actually move the car. Like, we're at a point now where stick, tri- stick shift is just like not a common thing anymore. In fact, I went car shopping... Not that long ago, in the last five years or so, and we bought a manual transmission because they were selling for cheaper because people couldn't get their young kids to drive their old cars because they were stick shifts. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's almost like not having a car with AC or like including a cassette player in your car, right? Like, what's the point anymore, right? Unless you're actually making like a racing car, like something that's going to appeal to someone who wants to peel out at a red light or I guess a green light or if you're if you're feeling pretty daring you peel out at a red light uh why have it right just go with the automatic uh, and so I was thinking about like what other crimes like could teenagers or kids of today try to commit that that if they tried like 15 years ago like if kids of 15 years ago tried to do it like because of like today's where we are technologically the th- different things about society, like stuff that just wouldn't happen today that you could have done 15, 20 years ago. You know the guy in the in the con movie that has to distract someone by having a long conversation that keeps the person interested? Yeah. That would not happen. <laughs> right? They'd sit there and be like, hey, so uh, how you doing? My name's Derek. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, you're looking right at me. <laughs> um, uh, uh, I... Uh, I gotta check my phone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's how that would go, and then they would find him out, and so that, I, I think that would not happen. Anytime there's, like, someone that needs to hold a conversation, it wouldn't go well. Yeah. I, the thing that initially came to my mind was any crime that uh, involved lying about something you could easily look up, right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're trying to sell someone a forgery of something, but it's, like, a bad forgery, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, let me just Google what that painting actually looks like. 
No, that's not it, right? The well, dress is clearly blue in this painting. Yeah, yeah. I also think like pretending to be someone else that's famous. Yeah, like oh yeah, I'm the CEO of whatever. It's like oh really? Bup, 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 bup. You're not. Here's the actual CEO of whatever. Yeah, mm -hmm. so yeah, or kids lying to their parents about you know oh no I stayed the night at Jackie's house and you're really at Fred's house, right? Because parent can just look you up on the phone. It's true. So we live in a different age, David. But crime has evolved yeah and i imagine that youth crime is evolving but apparently it's devolving it's going backwards yeah well that and hacking like you've got like 12 year olds olds in moscow that have like 60 million dollars in bitcoin yeah forget about it uh i don't have a good way to wrap this up i just nailed it with forget about it oh. did you not catch that that would have oh. been a great time to stop Oh man, uh, you almost bitcoined a new phrase. This is Subjectively Correct Sports, the only show featuring David Henderson and Anthony Montague talking about sports among other things like how kids can't drive stick shifts anymore. You know Pierce Brosnan couldn't do stick shifts anymore either. Anymore. Pierce Brosnan, the guy who played 007, like the yeah. coolest, most okay. debonair guy in the world, he couldn't drive a stick shift. Did he uh, pop his shoulder out or something? No, no, he'd never driven one before. Oh, like he couldn't do it in the movie. On the Bond set, he had to drive a car that was a stick shift, probably an Aston Martin or something like that. That's a car. It's a type of car. I know him well. He was uh, he was Sam Wise in the uh, Lord of the Rings. Oh, that's, that's Sean Aston. Yeah, Martin. No, no, just... Mar Martin, Martin was Bilbo in the Hobbit movies. Martin Friedman. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Uh, find us on uh, iTunes which is probably how you're listening. Gosh, you derailed me so much. www.subjectivelycorrect.com to find a link to our podcast. If you want to share it out, please do. And you can email us at subjectivelycorrect at gmail.com with any uh, stories you want to hear about, any opinions you have on the sports of the day, and we will try to work them into the show. Please keep those coming. They're fun to, they're fun to get when we got, got the one or two. Yeah, that one time was really cool. Yeah, so keep that up. Uh, don't feel bad if something in sports happened a while ago that you want us to talk about. As you can tell, uh, space and time don't matter to us. Alright? I don't know how to respond to that. There's nothing to respond to. I said it all. And I'm going to respond to it in the future. Or is that the past because it's already happened? Anyway... <laughs> Antonio Brown. Yeah, Steeler. Big Steeler, Antonio Brown. Huge wide receiver for the Steelers, and we talked about how they'd be foolish to get rid of him and how important he is on their team and long future, uh, three more years under contract with the Steelers. Big Ben's number one target. So what's up with this uh, Steeler, Antonio Brown? My big takeaway from this whole situation, okay. I, I assume everyone listening has, knows a little bit about what's going on, okay? Because, I mean, they're listening to a sports he show. He dyed his hair. Yeah, his mustache is a, it's just terrible. Okay? AB, we get it. I mean, it, he was getting all this attention anyway. Did he need to dye the you thing? You can grow facial hair. Okay, nice nice humble brag there. I don't Anyway, so he, uh, everyone's kind of getting on him about the situation. Everyone's all upset about Le'Veon Bell and their holdouts and their manipulating of the Steelers to get the contracts they want and things like that. And my whole thought process behind this is, why aren't we listening to the players, and why are we all siding with management? 
Yeah, so 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 Antonio Brown forcing his way out of Pittsburgh. He's labeled as the bad guy. Why is he the bad guy? And why isn't ownership the bad guy for not giving him what he wants, which is more money, longer, more years, more guaranteed money? Right. Why is it that the Steelers can't treat their star players the way that other organizations treat their star players? Why is it that football in general has a hard time paying anybody but the quarterbacks what they seem to be worth? So the three highest paid non-quarterbacks are Khalil Mack, some other guy, and now Antonio Brown, because he actually got an increase in his pay through his trade to the Steel, uh, the Raiders, which mm-hmm. they got for a steal, by the way, like a couple of late round, uh, late round draft picks. They all either held out or demanded a trade. So it's very clear to me that owners are not willing to just pay these guys honestly up front what they're worth. They have to do some manipulating. They have to do some holding out. They have to do some tra- whatever mm-hmm. to get paid what they feel like they're worth. Yeah, and I don't know why that is. I don't know why these games have to go on in the NFL when it seems like other leagues are, are at least a little better about getting this done. Okay, well, I I think the NFL, as opposed to maybe basketball, I don't know if baseball really has this problem. I haven't seen it yet in baseball where you have players holding out or demanding trades. You it, just it's the opposite. It's, Free agents are like waiting around to get signed. Yeah, yeah. And so maybe it's just a different culture within baseball or they feel like because they have guaranteed contracts and I mean you have that in basketball too though. So um yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't know why there's a difference in baseball versus football. Um but with football, the thing is like okay, if I'm if I'm ownership, okay. Um it is so hard to draft well, right? Yeah. The experts do it poorly. All the time. And right? they get paid tons of money to do it. I want that job. I yeah. want a job I can do poorly over and over again and just keep doing that job. It is so hard to improve your team through free agency. Because by the time someone worthwhile comes along in free agency, they're far enough in, along in their career where you expect they're not going to perform up to expectations, up to their previous years. So it's like they're beginning their decline. Once yeah. they hit that second similar, contract... Similar in baseball, right? Where you sign a guy past age 30, like, you you, you often in baseball pay for past production. Right? Unless you're signing Barry Bonds, in which case he ended with the highest OPS in baseball his final season. Okay, save it for a pod, David. Um, and so, football... I, so, again, going with the ownership perspective, like... We did such a good job of finding this guy, right, who no one else had as high on their draft board. Um, We've paid him handsomely, you know, for a few years. And we see no one else available that can replace him, right? And we have him under contract for three more years. So, like, why should we use the rest of our salary cap, which isn't, isn't that big, right? I mean, there's only so much money in football, and and I don't know the salary cap as well in football as I do baseball and basketball. I don't know if you can, if there's like a luxury tax um, scheme or if you can go over, but like you you have so much money, right? And if you already have these good players locked up to contracts they agreed to, like why as an owner should I feel like I need to give them more, right? And it seemed like with this deal, they were getting rid of the cap space they, of course, didn't want to trade Antonio Brown. No one wants to trade and get rid of Antonio Brown. He's one of the best receivers in the league. Consensus. But mm-hmm. they have Juju Smith-Schuster, who's a good player, and they must have some other receivers that they feel comfortable handing the baton to. 
because they basically gave the Raiders Antonio Brown for a couple of late round draft picks, yeah, which like is a, a third steal. or fifth round pick. And, right? and we just talked about how difficult it is to draft. It's you hard know. to draft a first rounder, l- yes, let alone some third, fifth round, right? Right. And so the the NFL draft, I think, has I don't want to say no value, but it has very little value when it comes to. It's not like the NBA where I feel like your draft picks. There are a few every once in a while. A player comes along that you look at and you say, I know for sure this is going to be a productive NBA player. Yeah. Maybe not a superstar, but you know that's a productive NBA player. Yeah. Right? And every once in a while you get some surprises. But I think in football, it's the opposite, where every once in a while you see someone, very rarely, you see a player where you're like, okay, this is going to be a great football player, and they end up being a great football player. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I feel like draft picks in the NFL are not worth very much, and the Raiders gave away two draft picks that made, I mean, give them almost nothing for a guaranteed bona fide Pro Bowl. Um, high quality wide receiver right away. Yeah, it, it, you do. You do wonder if the Steelers are just extremely confident in their ability to develop another wide receiver because they've done it with Juju. They've done it with Santo, uh, uh, Antonio Brown. They did it with Santonio Holmes, right? Former Super Bowl MVP. Uh, so they have a history of putting star wide receivers around Ben Roethlisberger and people who. Yeah, people who wouldn't necessarily have been like highly touted coming out of college or uh, touted to, to the degree that they're celebrated in the NFL, right? My big concern now is the Steelers are siding with the wrong dude. So Antonio Brown in the prime of his career, ready to produce and going to continue to produce, last six seasons he had 1,200 receiving yards or more. Yeah, Ben Roethlisberger is on a decline, and it's only going to get steeper each year. Yeah, he's the same draft class. You, you you think of him sometimes as a younger guy. He's not. But he's the same draft class as Eli Manning and Phil Rivers. Yes. Yeah, so and what's our nickname for Phil Rivers? Old Phil. Old Phil. For reason. Because he looks like he, he looks Left like foot Eli. should be Old Phil. And, and so Ben Roethlisberger, they're siding with him. And he's basically Joe Flacco. A quarterback who got some Super Bowl and, and playoff success, mm-hmm. but who is not the quarterback he used to be and cannot produce like he used to. Yeah. Because he's getting older, because he's losing a step. I mean, he's not Tom Brady. No and, one is. No you know, one is. But Tom. he's being treated like he is Tom Brady. I forget all these other players. We have Ben Roethlisberger and the fifty-two kids. <laughs> that is not a situation I would want to be in. And it's very clear that a lot of the players on the Steelers don't want to be in that situation. But the Steelers signed with sided, sided it, sided, sided. The Steelers sided it. The Steelers done did sided. Yep. With the wrong player. They. They went with the aging quarterback instead of the well, pri- the receiver in his prime. I don't understand that move at all. I guess if you're if if you felt like you had the choice, it of one or the other, right? If you felt like a relationship couldn't be mended, like you had to either say we only have one on our roster, but but I don't think that was the case, hmm. right? But if you if you only keep one, do you keep even though he's aging a guy who's still a top? What do you think? 15, 18, maybe. I don't know. Quarterback in the league. Yeah. When he's healthy, I don't know my fantasy team. He did pretty well for me this past year. Well, who's he throwing to? Again, who's no, he no, throwing well, to? No, yeah, no, exactly. But well, okay. Is it easier to develop a wide receiver or a franchise quarterback? I understand what you're going at yeah. here. It, the quarterback position is much harder to find a quality player that's going to be a good player for a long time. Yeah. That's very clear right now in the league where Nick Foles is getting paid tons of money. Nick Foles got paid. Yes, he did. And no state taxes in Florida, which is something you pointed out <laughs> to me, right. right? So 50-something million guaranteed. Woo! Oh, boy. But I understand what you're saying. Good wide receivers can literally turn back the clock 
for quarterbacks. Randy Moss did it for Tom Brady. Larry Fitzgerald has been doing that for quarterbacks since he got into the league. Yeah. Okay. Uh, shoot. Uh, Matthew Stafford. Uh, Megatron goes away. Calvin Johnson goes away. And Matthew Stafford disappears as a quality quarterback. There were conversations about him being in a top five type tier of quarterback yeah. when he had Calvin Johnson. Calvin Johnson goes, and so does Matthew Stafford. And there are tons of examples of really good wide receivers who are making quarterbacks look good. Okay, So with Antonio Brown gone, luckily there are some other quality wide receivers like Juju Smith-Schuster still there with the Steelers, but I would not be surprised if Ben Roethlisberger, we start really seeing his age and he starts dropping off right now because he doesn't have that Antonio Brown effect to keep him safe and warm. Yeah. Uh, I have two points I want to make before we leave this topic. One... Every other team in the league, did you not have a second and a fourth? Did you not have a second and a fourth round draft pick you could have given up for Antonio Brown? Now, I know it comes with a contract and a contract uh, renegotiation extension, right? I think he's getting something like $16, 17000000 million a year. So his uh, the contract before for the last three years would have been $38.9 million, and that was increased to fifty. Point one million. Yeah. Okay. So so yeah. so about yeah about sixteen seventeen million a year uh, for the next three years. So obviously you know if you're if you're up against the the cap you couldn't make this deal. But there are teams that have space, right? And they could have cut a guy. And they could have cut a guy. That's, that's in the NFL. You can always cut people, right? And they do. It's it's brutal. And so man. if you've got um what three four years left of of peak or at least extremely good Aaron Rodgers. Um, don't you consider taking a chance on Antonio Brown? You absolutely do. Um, if you've got um, the option of pairing Julio Jones right with Antonio Brown and making the most overrated uh, quarterback in the NFL rated just a little bit higher in, in Matt Ryan, uh, don't you don't you take that chance? I mean. Cleveland. Cleveland was rumored, right? Like, how awesome would that have been? Granted, in division, I don't know if the Steelers would have agreed to it. But right. um, but Baker Mayfield would have looked like a great quarterback next year if yeah. he was throwing balls to Antonio Brown. Yeah. And so, just like every other team, what are you doing? If the Raiders could get it done with a third and a fifth, um, it, it just it boggles my mind, right? Either, either every other team doesn't value wide receivers like the Raiders do, and the Raiders have always probably overvalued wide receivers. Um, the last wide receiver that wore a Raiders uniform to get over 1,200 yards, which Antonio Brown has done the last six years, was Jerry Rice. Was a 49er. Jerry Rice. Can you believe that? Yeah. Jerry Rice is the last Raiders wide receiver to get 1,200 yards in a season. Yeah. Um, was it Rich Gannon who was throwing footballs at him? What, maybe. It may have been. How about that? Okay. First of all, Jerry Rice. Wow. Just like Cannon Gannon. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, also, they need a they need a quality wide receiver. I mean, they had Amari Cooper, but he's gone. He's now a Dallas Cowboy. Yeah. And now the Khalil Mack situation. Yeah. Makes a little bit more sense where they're willing to get rid well, of Khalil Mack, but they they had all this money to to sweeten the pot for uh, it, AB. It, it, uh, it does. It does, but it doesn't. Right. So it's like we're going to spend a bunch of money on an impact player. You had a really good impact player, yeah, right? If you're in yeah. win now mode, which signing or trading for Antonio Brown kind of indicates to me, you're trying to win now. With Derek Carr, though, so like if that's the plan, you, you traded away your best player last year, so I don't know. Okay, the the other point I wanted to make was, I'm all for player empowerment, freedom of movement. Like if you feel like you're in a bad situation, do do what you can to 
to improve it. My butt senses are tingling. Like, I feel like there's a butt coming. But. I knew it. My butt senses are never wrong. Um, like, you're, you're sensitive to the buzzes? Like, yeah. you talk about the phantom phone buzzes, how you're really sensitive to that? My butt senses are really, really sensitive. <laughs> and, this, and this applies to basketball as well. Uh, although you don't, you don't see the holdout as much in basketball. You see the public trade demands. Or, or non-public trade demands that's come through Twitter or something, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. Something. Hey, hey, agent, tell someone to say this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, this is a, you know, it's not a new development, but it's more common, it seems like, these days, that, that someone publicly expresses their discontent with their current team and they want to be traded, right? Or they want a new contract. And so is this an overall positive or negative for the NFL for the NBA thinking about the NFL specifically because there's this unique thing of actually holding out right um and I think you can do that in the NFL because you just preserve your career a little bit longer yeah right whereas in basketball um like you the careers tend to be longer the careers are longer and so yeah but and you don't have as much risk of injury, like career-threatening injury, right? So, but is this is this good or bad for the league? And I come down on it's unsustainable. Like there has to be a correction at some point with a collective bargaining agreement that that the players are happy with, but also like severely penalizes them for this type of behavior. Because if you're in ownership or you're not in ownership but if you're a gm like how could you possibly put a roster together if it becomes the norm that you know i feel like i'm worth a million dollars more i'm gonna hold out right like your team is just in upheaval every offseason now that's it's not the case yet right it's there's a handful of cases every year right? right but if it becomes more and more the norm does it start to put off fans right uh, especially small market teams, I think it will in basketball at least. That's where you have these players holding out or, or re- requesting trades, and it's a kind of a mishmash of ideas here. But I'm just thinking, like overall, I think the optics and and I'm not saying the players are in the wrong for wanting to do this, but the overall effect is it bad? Is it good? I lean towards bad just because it. I throw my hands up sometimes, like wow, you're making so much money already, like. What, what what happened to honoring your commitment, right? Like, if you felt like you were worth $5, sorry, $5 million more a year three years ago, like, why didn't you hold out then? Like, in the middle of a contract, um, I guess my, my feeling is fulfill your commitment, right? Yeah, and that goes both ways. I feel like maybe a lot of these players feel like they're – their teams aren't fulfilling their part of the commitments they've made to the player. And there's so much going on behind the scenes that we don't know about, so it's really hard to make judgments on this kind of stuff. It really is. But I think the market will correct itself eventually, whether that's through collective bargaining or whatever they do. The market will eventually correct itself, and the sides will will be happy eventually because there's just too much money going into the NFL for people to not be happy by the end of it. And I'm talking people that want the money, right? So mm-hmm. there'll be people that aren't happy with their team. There'll be players that aren't happy with their coach. That'll always happen. Always. It happens in every workplace. Yeah. But I think over time, the market will correct itself. So Duke basketball is cursed. I think they've had a pretty good run. Over nope, the last- cursed. 
done. Years. That halo that Mike Krzyzewski has had over that program for the last 80 years or however long he's been there. By the way, we know you dye your hair. I said it. I'm not afraid to say it. I'm not afraid to go after Coach K. He's dying his hair. But he does love dogs. So there's that. Zion, William, Zion Williamson mm-hmm. has a body that is so strong and so big that a normal shoe just can't handle that. And then they had another starter go down. Who did they go down against? Uh, was it North, North Carolina? Carolina? Both yeah. times. Yeah. Both times. So, so is if it, you're a Duke starter, yeah. you just want to stay off the court if you're playing North Carolina. Just stay off the court. Yeah, so is it Duke's cursed or North Carolina's nefarious? A shoe broke. How could that possibly be? Oh, no. Are you saying, are you on our podcast claiming that the North Carolina Tar Heels somehow sabotaged Zion Williams' Nike? Book it. What does that mean? (laughs) It's 100%. 100%. Sorry, what was that last one? 100%. (laughs) Okay, so I'm glad. Fact. Okay, okay. Yes. No, there, yes, yes. The North Carolina Tar Heels uh, are engaging in super illegal behavior, tampering with equipment. Causing Duke players to... Because they obviously couldn't beat them, right? I mean, they had the top three freshmen in the country. It's There's true. no way that Duke should ever lose to North Carolina hmm. this season, right? And so, you know, if you're a competitive guy, like, uh, what's his face over at North Carolina? Roy Williams? <laughs> yes, that one. Um, you know, you slip a guy 20 bucks, a tractor, whatever it takes... An oil well. Have someone. Uh, I'm sorry, that's a Texas cut, football thing. Cut that's a few bad. stitches on a on a shoe, right? You cut a stitch. He paid a guy to cut a stitch. Cut a stitch. Yeah, that's right. So I'm just saying. Okay, I don't have any sources. Any, I don't have any reliable sources. I know what's going on here. You're reading a book. One of the major plot points early in this book, which is a book that I have also read, yes. is an investigation into a saddle that appears to have been cut in order to make it look like an accidental fall by a leading member of the society, so make it look like an accident for that leader, that king, to die. Yeah, and then later a railing uh, was cut that this particular person leans against frequently, and they they fell, they survived. Oh, but I've got sabotage on the brain, David. Yes, you do. I think that's what's going on here. So ignore everything Anthony's talking about. He's really into this book, and my goodness, this book, am I right? It's a great book. Shout out Brandon Sanderson. Yeah. That dude can write. But it's just a weird thing. It's just yeah, a weird thing that's happening. This is a disappointing Duke season. Um, is it? What, because of the injuries? Because of the injuries. Like, gotcha. Because, gotcha. yeah, you can't... The unrealized potential, right? Right. Uh, super hyped coming into the season. Top three freshmen in the country. And, and, they, they, and two are down right dang now. Dang near lived up to the hype, too. Yeah. I mean, Zion Williamson's probably going to win player of the year. I think he won ACC player of the year already. And he'll probably win NCAA player of the year, even missing a good portion of the season. Now, he may not be the best college basketball player right now, but I think he's the most NBA-ready college basketball player, right? Sure. Uh, A lot of that is because he's a (laughs) man-child. Have we checked his birth certificate? Let's not go there. Okay. Uh, Let's transition over to the NBA. Uh, Injuries, again, are plaguing basketball teams and your team, the Lakers. I think everyone's going about this the wrong way. Everyone's going to be talking about LeBron, LeBron James all the time because he is the most interesting figure in that sport. Always. Always. I mean, Kevin Durant went to the Warriors 
and now the Warriors winning with Kevin Durant has become boring. Mm. And that took a year and a half. Yeah. Right? Okay. Didn't take very long for that to happen. So everyone fell in love with Steph Curry. Now Giannis Antetokounmpo is uh, MVP candidate, probably going to win it. The Bucks are the best team in the East, but I mean, that's the East. Right? Yeah. But it, it's the East where uh, the Miami Heat are like. Mm, sub 500 have 31 wins and what is it 34 35 losses and they're the eight seed mm-hmm. yeah they'll be in the playoffs with all of that going on with all these other interesting storylines that we could be talking about in basketball all everyone cares about is lebron james and the lakers lebron james will do that so everyone's gonna be talking about this what i am tired of seeing is people disregarding the fact that lebron missed a fourth of the season and lonzo ball is out for the rest of the year and one of my favorite things that they've talked about so far, the analysts that actually cover basketball really, really thoroughly, really deeply, go into the analytics and things like that. When Lonzo Ball is on the court, no, just when he's playing, when he's on the roster, when he's active, the Lakers are a top five defensive team in the league. When he is not, they are a bottom five defensive team in the league. So I, I still think his shot will not translate to the could NBA. You, could, you just, but could you just pay Lonzo a compliment without bringing up the shot? No, it's the ugliest jump shot I've ever seen. Just, Sean just Marion. once pay him a compliment. Sean bleeping Marion. Matrix. Sean Marion had an ugly jump shot. Lonzo Balls is just slightly better looking than his. Oh, and I think it okay. went in more often, too. Well, debatable, but... Well, I can look that up in a second. <laughs> but anyway, his perimeter defense is so key to the Lakers' success... And now that that's gone, they were a top four team before LeBron went out. They were they were the four seed in the West when LeBron went down, and, and, and now they can't even sneak into the playoffs. Yeah. Why injuries? It's not because LeBron and his toxic environment. It's not because he's not playing defense. It's for none of those reasons. It's because Rajon Rondo is a terrible defender and is bringing the team down big time. His plus minus is abhorrent, and Lonzo Ball's injury has t- completely derailed the Lakers' defense, and they can't defend on the perimeter like they like they could when he was on the court. Mm-hmm. So the, that's what the narrative should be, but for some reason we're blaming LeBron not playing defense, and we're blaming this idea that he has some toxic environment to work with. Everyone wanted to get traded, whatever. Those aren't the reasons at all. The actual basketball reasons are easy to see if you just dig beyond the soap opera of it all, but the fans don't want yeah. that information. They want the soap opera. Right. Um... So I don't disagree with anything you're saying. And Who would? I, um, LeBron is now starting to see what happens when you're not a beneficiary of winning cures all, right? His whole career, he's been in the East, and he's been, except for, what, his first two, three seasons, uh, he's been on teams that made the playoffs and did well in the playoffs. Okay, and so he's, there was he's, no he, there was, and he was the reason, right? Yeah, he's never been eliminated in the first round of the playoffs. You know who has been? Michael Jordan. Yeah, yeah, and so, so he's always been on super successful teams, largely because of him, right? And even though there may have been things to criticize about his game, and sometimes those things would be brought up, uh, they, they were free throw, bro. They weren't magnified as much because ultimately. Hey, you're the best player in the world. In the world, you're on a winning team. So you know, what are we doing here, right? Let's not complain too much. But now, okay, there's not there's not a whole lot of winning going on in LA. Okay, and when there's you can't talk about the winning, you start to focus on the negative, right? And it's yeah. the first time in LeBron's career that because he gets a pass the first few seasons, it's the first time in his career he's on a bad team. And so all of the warts are there for everyone to see. And there's not many in his game, right? 
But are you talking about warts in LeBron's game? Because I was thinking the warts were like Michael Beasley and Rajon Rondo. Well, no, Rajon Rondo. There's that too. There's the Lakers warts, but then there's specifically LeBron's warts, right? Rajon Rondo Rousey. And so, so he he's not he's not benefiting from from being on a winning team anymore, right? And I think that's part of what's going on here. The other thing is, yes, injuries have definitely derailed the season. They're the major reason the Lakers are out of the playoffs right now. And um, you look at what, go up until Christmas Day, they were, like you said, a, a top four seed in the West. And that was including the early part of the season where they didn't know how to play together, right? They were outpacing their expectations by a bunch. Yeah. By a bunch. Yeah. And then LeBron goes down. And then Lonzo goes down. I think the the combo of Lonzo, Brandon Ingram, and LeBron have played in like 10 games together. This that year. is why they're not in the playoffs this year. That's the only reason. Injuries. Yeah. And so you can criticize Luke and his rotations. Sure. They're not that great. The scheme isn't that great overall. You mean the guy who coached the Warriors to that prolific run? Right. Isn't that good of a coach? Uh, you can criticize Magic and Rob Polinka for putting together this sometimes head-scratching roster and making weird moves in the middle of the season, like trading away a promising young center for a rental. Um, this team was never about winning. Yeah, it wasn't about winning this year. They out LeBron helped this team outplay their expectations, and then injuries derailed that. Mm-hmm. That's what happened. And you know, so so there are there are things you you can criticize, right? You can criticize that they didn't re-sign Julius Randle. Who's having an awesome year um, in Brooklyn, right? Uh, no, he, he uh, in in New Orleans. Oh yeah, they I'm traded thinking... away D'Angelo Russell. Okay, that's what I'm thinking. They tra- traded him away uh, two off seasons ago to open up cap space for what LeBron and then hopefully one more superstar free agent. And so uh, what I will say is that Magic and Palinka will be on the hook if after this off season another Stark doesn't come. To the Lakers, right? If they traded yeah. away and did not resign young talent uh, that's excelling in other uh, on other teams, with the promise that they were going to bring in two superstar, at least two superstars, and they don't deliver on that, then sure, there should be blame that goes to the front office. For, for, but for right now, I, I completely agree. It's the injuries, and but for the injuries, we'd be talking about you know, does LA have what it takes to take down a Houston? Or Denver, or the Warriors, right? Can LeBron, you know, activate playoff mode uh, right now? So, I'm not, as a Lakers fan, I'm not super concerned. I'm concerned for July. <laughs> I'm really nervous because this isn't a good um, showing for the rest of the free agent, the the upcoming free agents, right? If you're, if you're Kawhi Leonard, if you're uh, Kyrie Irving, you see how how close this team is to being a good team, but also how close it is to being a bad team, right? All it takes is a LeBron injury, right? Uh, all it takes is losing one or two of your secondary guys, and, and all of a sudden what you thought was a team with lots of depth really has doesn't have that much. And so if you're a free agent superstar, do you think you, know, you weigh all this and maybe the Lakers are a less attractive option than they were five months ago? And one of the greatest betrayals in sports ever. Kyrie Irving to the Lakers. Book it. That would be phenomenal. That would be awesome. And I would probably pair Irving and Lonzo in the backcourt. Because contrary to, to, to popular belief, Lonzo doesn't need the ball. Like, 
when he gets the ball, he actually kind of loathes the ball. He's like constantly moving the ball. I've never, I don't, I can't mentally picture him dribbling. <laughs> yeah. You know what if, I mean? And if, that's weird. If he dribbles, it's usually like to the basket. Yeah. Like it's, it's just a, a quick decision. It's, he's a fun basketball player to watch. Uh, fortunately, we focus a lot on the bad aspects of his game. Like but his the, jump shot. the positives far outweigh those, and the numbers show that. And they do. After, Like I said, I knew a shot was going to translate, but he is a, a very serviceable NBA starter. Yeah, and in his second year, he hasn't even played a full season worth of games yet in the two years he's played. That's going to be something to watch. Is he injury prone? Like You can say the two injuries he's had that have taken him out of last season and this season are kind of fluke things, right? But, you know, we'll see. If he, if this keeps up every year, then you reevaluate. Will he be back? Will he ever be a, play another Laker game again? Is he going to get traded this offseason for Anthony Davis, right, or some other um, superstar? So as has been the case for the Lakers over the last few years, the most exciting season for them is the offseason. They're the kings of the offseason. The reigning champions of the offseason. They are. Hopefully that continues at least one more. Um, what else? That's all I got to say about that. That's all. So we're coming into the final stretch. Playoffs start in April. Um, I, I mean, it's like you've got your five teams in my mind, maybe six, that can actually win the title. Magic? Pistons? Suns? Oh, not, sorry, not the title for Zion. My bad. The the title that happens in June. I the just, NBA champion. Gotcha. The Larry okay. O'Brien trophy. Kind of the secondary trophy. That's right. Because Zion Williamson is the actual, like... The, I think the teams Everyone's that are Everyone's trying for Zion. The Knicks are taking... They, they tank well, but the Suns, they just beat... Who'd they just beat? The Warriors. They beat the Warriors. What are you doing, yeah. Suns? That's what happens when you ask a bunch of young guys to tank. Right? Oh, yeah. They're trying to win. They don't know. They don't know how to lose. No, they don't. What you do is you get your stats, right? Mm. And then you... You figure Devin Booker would know exactly how to do that. Yeah. Also, but if you're the coaching staff, you know when to pull those guys. Right? Like the Lakers, they're not even... They're putting LeBron on a minutes restriction. Of course. They shut down. Even though Alonzo may be able to come back, he shut down. Brandon yeah. Ingram, he shut down. Kyle Kuzma, he hasn't played in a couple of games. Um, and uh, they signed... Uh, they're signing guys from the South Bay Lakers, their G League affiliate, to 10-day contracts to uh, to finish out um, the season. So they are very much in let's improve our odds at getting a higher draft pick that we can probably couple with a couple of our young guys for a superstar. I'm very sad that I may have watched Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, Lonzo Ball all play their last game as a Laker. I'm horrified at that prospect because I like these guys so much and I'm so invested in them and their career. Um, if it returns Anthony Davis and someone else, okay, like I can live with that. Um, but it's, you know, you, you as a fan, you think I'm going to be able to spend the next 10, 15 years with these guys, you know? And so to, to have that uh, now uncertainty, uh, you know, and, and, it's it's hard because I still I still follow like Julius Randle. I never was really attached to D'Angelo. Never really liked him as a player to be honest. But I loved Russell last year. Sad he's a Pelican. Um, and so I don't know. I'm going through a little bit of um, fear and trepidation as a Lakers fan, not knowing what this team's gonna look like. If you're a basketball fan though, just generally you like basketball. 
there's a lot of fun, interesting things going on in basketball. We just don't have the time to cover it all in this podcast. But the East will be interesting to see who comes out of the East. Stan Van Gundy has said that he thinks the NBA champion this year will come out of the Eastern Conference. Hmm. I don't know Stan Van Gundy, but I'm concerned for Stan Van Gundy. What, Bucks or Raptors, right? I mean, those are the only... They say the Celtics, but they're underperforming. Celtics are like a fifth seed right now. The 76ers, once, 76ers, they, get to, once yeah. they get to the playoffs and they, they shrink that rotation down to seven guys, and Simmons and Embiid and those guys, they're not playing back-to-backs. They'll get more minutes when Butler's out there getting more minutes and playing hard every night. The Sixers are going to be really dangerous. Yeah. So I guess that's what he's thinking. He's thinking playoff basketball is very different from regular season basketball for the reasons I just mentioned. Less travel, uh, no back-to-backs, that kind of stuff. So yeah. you're going to see very different teams in the East in the playoffs, but stamp. Stan, I don't think that's going to happen, bud. Bring it home. I can get that out. All right. So, so lawsuits, legality in the law. This is a third show in a row where we've had some legal stuff to talk about. This is cool. Go for it. Hit it up. Legal expert on the show. Give yeah. it to us. Give well, us the good stuff. Give us that legal good stuff. What would you call the legal good stuff? How do you say legal good stuff in Latin? In Latin? Yeah, yeah. you speak Latin, right? You're an attorney guy. Yeah, Vini Vidi Vici. Okay. <laughs> so the uh, the women's uh, U.S. women's national team, or at least uh, several members, I think it's up to 28 now, members of the U.S. women's national team, current and former, have filed a gender discrimination lawsuit uh, against the U.S. Soccer Federation, uh, claiming that... The pay equity and working conditions are um, are not up to the standards of the men's team. Okay, and um, I don't. I haven't read the full, you know, twenty-five page complaint, and so I'm not fully versed in all of their grievances here. Um, but I've been trying to find more information about it, reading various articles and watching clips about it, and. Putting the actual complaint aside, like I have a comment on the state of reporting when it comes to sports and the law. Okay. It's bad. It's not good. I would even say it's poor. Is there any elaboration you'd like to give us on that? So what? Yeah. So, so, what, so what, what is so bad? So what, you, you what, said you're, you're an expert in the law. And you are having trouble finding the information without actually going to the document itself and pouring through it and reading it, which would take a lot of time. Yeah. So what you act, what you often get when there's some kind of legal dispute in in sports is a very brief, unnuanced, um, just like kind of short statement as to what the actual complaint is, right? And the the women have alleged like forty one. Compl- there's like 41 complaints in that 25 page, 41 grievances that they have in the 25 page document. They could have done it with bullet points. Yeah, it could and have so, been one page. But you usually get like also depends on font. Like a half sec, a half s- sentence about what the those grievances are, right? So you pick Margins. out one or one or two, and then the rest of the article or YouTube video is mostly opinion, right? Uh, or or someone saying why the the timing of this like makes sense or just editorializing what's going on right it's so, so not just giving the information in a neutral stance like the news would it's not like the ap out there is just telling you what happened mm-hmm. but it's like they everyone feels like they have to report on how they feel about it or what this means or whatever yeah and so then instead of allowing us as readers consumers of news 
to read all of the facts with maybe some history of, of the situation and to form our own opinion, uh, we're being fed an opinion. Okay. And I think that's, you know, there's some news outlets that that's fine to do. Right. But like, I don't, if I'm, I don't want ESPN necessarily taking a stance or if I do, I want it like adjacent to that article. Right. So saying, here's the article giving you the facts, make up your own mind about it. And then, Oh, if you want to hear so-and-so's opinion on it, here it is over here. Yeah, exactly. Like I find it very hard to just find basic facts about these controversies without, without being told what to think about it. And I think this stems from sports reporting companies, agencies, whatever. They don't know how to cover the legal side of this stuff. They spend all their time and all their money on the things that I think they assume are going to be the most palpable for an audience, right? And so people like you or people like me who are really interested in what the nuts and bolts of what's going on with this case, Mm -hmm. we can't go and find it because they're hiding it from us because they don't feel like they can trust us with that, if that makes sense. But the sports... The sports fan is getting more and more intelligent as the country is getting more and more educated and more and more intelligent with these matters. We can understand as, as a whole, sports fans can understand this contract talk. We've been hearing contract talk for years and years between players and leagues and all this stuff, CBAs. We're a more intelligent, more informed fan base than we've ever been when it comes to sports. So I feel like it's time for that type of information to be available for the common sports fan because I feel like we're ready for it intellectually. Yeah. Um, and. So and what you often have is um, reporting. If when you do get reporting of facts, it's without the context, like the necessary context to really appreciate what those facts mean. So, for example, like when I'm as I'm trying to research this topic, and let me preface my my thoughts with: if the women feel underpaid in comparison to the men, if they feel like the conditions they face are worse than what the men face. They should definitely complain about it, right? They should definitely file a lawsuit if they feel like if there's some illegality to to U.S. Soccer Federation's actions towards them, and and hopefully they um, either reach a settlement they're happy with or uh, a court rules in their favor if if there was mistreatment, right? I hope that's the case, and I think they should get whatever they feel, you know, that, that I, whatever they deserve. That Hold whether- on. did you just say that you hope the women were mistreated? No, that if they were, that they are compensated for it. Okay, right. Good, good that recovery. they get that they get just treatment. If I said I hope they're mistreated, that's not what I was trying. I'm to just say. messing with you. Okay. I'm just trying to make you uncomfortable. Is it working? All right, no. Remember um, when you did that with your body the last episode? We were like getting really close and it was uncomfortable. Yes. Now I'm doing that, but with my mind. Got it. Um, but okay, so let's let's just take one article I started reading, right? And um. And they talk about how like a history of of unequal pay comparing the men's game to the women's game for the soccer soccer right and they uh, they point out from a couple World Cups ago when the women won in 2011 um, in Japan I think it was um, the women's team got to share a pot of two million dollars okay and that's like a negotiated amount or percentage of the overall uh, revenue from the World Cup, so that from the was, Women's World Cup. So that's basically the champions' cut of whatever revenue FIFA made from the tournament. Yes, this is like a predetermined amount before the tournament starts. You know, if you make it to this round, here's, you're going to get this much you, in percentages, right? A percentage, yes. Yeah. Uh, and for the women, I think it was like 13 percent of the total revenue that they would get, and and then the 
the men for a year earlier in the 2000s. So the women got $2 million to share. For okay? winning. For winning. The men, the Germans won that year in 2010. They got um, $35 million. Okay. And in comparison, the, the U.S. men in 2010 lost in the round of 16. Right, so what's that? Three, four rounds prior to the final. Um, the men's team, the U.S. men's team, got eight million dollars that year. So they got four times uh, the amount that the women got, and the women advanced and won the final, and the men lost in the round of sixteen. So yes, if you get just those facts, then it looks real bad. It looks very bad. All right, but you do a little bit more digging, and you find out oh, for these two World Cups, the TV. Uh, the rating, or yeah, the the amount of people watching the women's World Cup final was something like 25 million people, right? That's a lot of people. When you compare it to the men, something like 188 million. It's a lot more. All right, and so it's it's a lot more nuanced than we're being paid less than one side's being paid less than the other, and. The women are making something like 13% of the overall take. The men are making 9%. So they're actually making a higher percentage. So this comes down to a revenue issue. The At least game, on the compensation side. There's right. other. I know there's other grievances. Right. right. But when it comes to the money, which is what everyone's going to fixate on, because that's the easiest thing to report and the easiest thing to consume, mm-hmm. is the dollar signs. And the, this is and this is the FIFA portion, right? Right. This is not this is not what like their salaries or anything like that. This is not what they make for like playing for the US team, right? This is in addition to that. Right. So just like in the WNBA and the NBA, WNBA players I don't think will ever get paid like NBA players because the NBA brings in so much more money than the WNBA does. So even though collectively bargained, they might make a bigger percentage like the like the women's uh, team does in the United States in soccer, the women make a higher percentage than the men would. But they're bringing in a, the the men's game brings in so much more money that even if having a higher percentage on the women's side, you're not bringing in as much money. It's a revenue issue yes. in this case. And like you said, that's a nuance and that's a detail that most people aren't reporting and most people aren't getting. Yeah. And so when you when your story is filled with cliches and headlines and emotion and opinion, you do a disservice to the reader to form an educated opinion. And I think there are real issues that should be discussed. Um, but when we focus on the the non-issues or the issues that uh, really aren't, really, things we can't really solve, like you can't just make more money appear, yeah. right? Um, then you do a disservice to the reader, but you also do a disservice to, to the players, right? And to the leagues and to the people operating the leagues. And so I just think there needs to be a, a higher level of reporting um, less opinion-based and more fact-based. Yeah, I think that would be a, a good step in the right direction. As I started saying that, I realized I didn't have anywhere else to go, and I am now just talking to fill the dead space that I created myself. And I feel bad about that. Dun-dun. Yeah, st- stop, dun. The, stop the segment whenever... Do we have a gavel sound we can make? I Something. I mean, the sound of you stopping the recording would be great. Click. Lord of the Rings nerds, unite. Assemble. Find your fellowship. Welcome to the Nerd Alert segment get, get of the your, podcast. Get your Lambus bread. Find as much Athales as you can get. Because King's Foil. All right? 
the more common folk call it king's foil, right? You put on your chainmail, put on that hood you got from Galadriel, and let's go on an adventure, okay? Because Lord of the Rings stuff is blowing up right now. There's a new TV series coming out on Amazon Prime that is based, get this, Anthony, in the second age. Not the second age. The second age. Now, for what those about you, the first and the third and the fourth? Well, the third age. The end of the third age is the stuff we get in the movie trilogy that we see. Of right? Course. Which most of you will be familiar with. Obviously. The readers of the books clearly know that. But those of you that are that you know just watch it kind of casually, which like is 1% of the Lord of the Rings fans, like <laughs> the rest of us like into it deep. But what are what we see in the movies, The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, is the the end of the third age. The second age is when all of that setup in the story happens, all the prologue, like Numenor sinking into the sea, Sauron deceiving them, the forging of the rings with Celebrimbor, the the battle of the last alliance, uh, I mean the yeah, yeah, the war of the last alliance of elves and men and stuff like that to finally defeat Sauron so they thought and all that stuff. That was the second age. And so the TV series that they're going to make on Amazon Prime, which does great on their TV series, they're sending it in that time period, which is going to be super cool. Mm. Right? There's also a a biopic coming out. Some people say biopic, but it's a biopic because bio means life, picture mm. means film. Mm. So it's a it's a life film. Mm. It's a film it's bringing bringing someone's life to life in film. Biopic. So there's a biopic about Tolkien and his experiences with his group of friends that wanted to create things about him going to war and how that influenced him in his storytelling. Yeah. His obsession with language. I'm so excited for that. So does this dovetail with the Godric Gryffindor timeline? They uh the wrong age so i'm really excited about all this lord of the Rings stuff that's coming out right now it's one of those books that i it was really the first novel i sat down and read seriously in eighth grade mr dauber's biology class i couldn't put it down he got after me a few times i passed his test so whatever dauber and i loved it and so getting more lord of the Rings stuff is super exciting for me as i'm sure it is to a lot of the people out there mm-hmm. if you had to choose yeah. you talk about the tolkien movie yeah the tolkien movie yeah yeah you saw that yeah yeah did you did you say stuff about that? I did. Yes, you, and, you, and you nodded and went mm-hmm a few times. Words. I did. I spoke uh, words, and you. I assumed you were listening. I I'm, should have listened. Interpreted those words as ideas. Yes. In oral form. Well formed ideas. Yeah. So, um, if you could choose only one to consume the rest of your life, Star Wars or Lord of the Rings, what would it be? Because you're a super super fan of both yeah i love them both uh that's a tough question because uh lord of the rings has less content available right you have uh unless you want to get super nerdy and read like the silmarillion and some of the other stories like that that have like which i call the old testament for lord of the rings because that's really how it reads it's like a really dry history of all this stuff that tolkien put together for lord of the rings it's all about like dumbledore learning mermish sure and but but star wars is continuing to make uh, films and they're going to make another trilogy after the one they're doing right now and they continue to put out video games and more books and stuff like that so I think because there's a higher volume of content I would have to say Star Wars how about you uh, I would choose the Lakers of the Shire 